Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey, oh, welcome to Cinematics episode 169. That's just for you there, Eric. I am Anderson. I blather about films here and there. There's Greg Srizovosti. He's the Film Critics Choice Award, Teen Choice. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but he does critic work. <laughs> Nanny. And he, gets paid for it and he has been getting paid for that, as well as Manny work for many, many years now. Yes. Uh, we are also uh, brought for the, to us uh, for the first time ever on this year program, all of us together in one little peapod. Uh, we got Eric Holmes over there. Uh, that's right. The same Eric Holmes as is the uh, one-fifth editor of Groupers, as well as Bruce Perky, who knows movies possibly better than all three of us combined sorry greg and eric but that uh, oh, you the truth. and uh we're going to bring a very spirited spirited uh discussion uh to all of you uh regarding the uh the week uh the third week of december right guys the christmas third week december, is that what we're doing here yeah are you excited anderson has, has this been a good month i know you're just back a couple of weeks removed from iceland but have you in the ensuing weeks have you seen some really good movies i'm excited to hear what what you have to say as far as good stuff this week. i've been watching movies oh I've okay yeah. Okay. I can't. I can't say that I've been seeing really good movies, but I've been watching movies. Yes. <laughs> what about you, Eric and Bruce? Have you been? You guys watch a lot, like twenty movies a week. Have you guys seen? I think. Hey, hey, Anderson. Little uh, FYI, Eric Holmes just saw the James Cameron classic Avatar two, and he was saying he's all about the 3D. Is that correct, Eric Holmes? No, not uh, not at all about the 3D. I, I I don't know what it is about the 3D glasses. It just puts me to sleep almost immediately. I had to, I had to get up, walk around, and thankfully the movie's like 18 hours long, so I didn't miss too much. But yeah, I had to walk around, get my wits about me, and come back, put the 3D glasses on. And then I was fine after that, but I don't think I'll be doing 3D movies anymore. Hmm. Which would you rather watch, Avatar 2, which is more boring, Avatar 2 or hearing me speak on cinematics? Well, neither are boring. It's just, yeah. but if I listen to you speak with 3D glasses on, I would be knocked the f out in like two minutes. Bruce, what do you think about uh, Tom Cruise? Are you excited about Mission Impossible? Oh, I'm so excited, excited about that. I mean, did you watch that little promo video of himself talking about that awesome uh, stunt he did, and how? And then they have all the crew members all saying how awesome he is, and how their noses are buried so far up his. Very tight glutamus maximus because I can't say the bad words. But uh, <laughs> when did you jump off the Tom Cruise bandwagon, Bruce Perky? Was it all the way back since All the Right Moves forty years ago, or when was it? Because no, we all love- I, yeah, no, 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 no. I think I think I liked him up until the early mid thousands, and then I just I I saw the light. I guess I saw what a fake weirdo he is, and I just I just can't look at him now anymore. He just he looks like a cross between a used car salesman and a preacher and the character he played on Magnolia. And I just, I can't, I can't do it. Anderson, are you going to take that lying down? This is the guy who starred in one of your favorite Stanley Kubrick films. Can, can you, have, can you bring some truth to Bruce Perky a little bit? Uh, some, some uh, learning. Can you give him some learning Anderson? Well, guys, I know people that actually work in the business and I have a very good friend who's worked with Tom Cruise a few times and they say that he is nothing but lovely and fantastic to work with, and he's great to the crew. So that's what I go off of. I also think that he's a, a remarkable actor. Um, I've said this plenty of times before. I think that he's a better actor. Uh, his name uh, overshadows, actually, his acting ability. 
And uh, I like that Tom Cruise, uh, personal life aside, I don't have to hang out with him. I don't have to like, you know, live with him. I don't have to have a relationship with him. I like what he does on the screen. And I think it's really interesting choice that he uh, decided to do all these crazy stunts uh, at this juncture of his, his career, whereas a lot of guys would just be taking leading, you know, do, taking the George Clooney route. And so I appreciate that. About yeah, he was in The Color of Money, which was awesome. It's true. Yeah. He was see, also on The Color of Money. See, so, uh, so Tom Cruise, I see a little bit of learning for you, Bruce. Maybe one day you'll turn the corner as far as we're going right now as far as this month in december a couple of days before christmas anderson what have you seen lately we always talk about previews what have you seen lately that will get our cinematics crew uh, excited well one that i think bruce and i are going to be talking about together this afternoon is a movie about a donkey called eo bruce you, you with me? I am so with you on EO. I will talk with you about EO. Look, I've got EO behind me right now. Oh, there he is. Oh, yeah, there he is walking down the uh, the red room. Yes, very Kubrickian. And I was wondering what was behind you there. Um, I've also finally caught up with Amsterdam, which um, wasn't as bad as I had heard. However, it does, definitely has its share of problems. It's, it's essentially three movies in one. And I think that if David O. Russell just kind of leaned into the history and the actual story, which was very interesting, which was a story that I was not familiar with, which was uh, about the Nazis trying to take over the United States before even Germany. Uh, that's a very interesting story. Uh, and it kind of got buried with all the uh, shenanigans that the three leads were uh, a part of. Uh, and then um, uh, a co-host of mine on another program, uh, or actually this program um, forced me to watch La Samurai, which uh, was was a, a schlog. And then um, a child of mine in my own house, uh, he and I watched the uh, first three Spider-Mans over the last uh, few days. And uh, I had never seen Spider-Man 3. And oh I still, <laughs> still can't believe that they did that. I don't understand what the hell they were doing. They set up characters for the first like two hours. And then the last 30 minutes, all the characters come together. And it's just what a what a mess of a movie. Um, but yeah, I don't, and after Yang, I saw after Yang and, uh, I absolutely loved that after Yang from the director of Columbus, which is a movie that Greg and I both liked very much. Koganada after Yang, was it better than Columbus? Was it better? You think more re- emotionally resonant? Because if you said so, I, I might have to go see after Yang. Uh, what I was telling you about Columbus, which is the Greg and I would loved it because of all the architecture and the design, um, from the outside, uh, after Yang takes that same, um, t- uh, temperament inside so it's like internal uh design in, in, in interior design and uh it's a, really a posit on uh existence and life and what it means to be alive and i think there's more meat on this bone and i'll be able to remember and tell you what after yang is about whereas columbus i'm still i i have a hard time remembering what the actual storyline line was yeah i beautiful though where is it columbus ohio no columbus someplace columbus, I, indiana columbus indiana i definitely want to go to columbus indiana bruce or eric have you been to columbus indiana have you seen columbus Neither of you? No, but I, I do know that he discovered all of America, not just Ohio. So <laughs> Very good. You're, you're, coming, your you're coming with these well, one-liners. Love it, Eric Holmes. For this episode, we're covering several films. The aforementioned EO. We have a movie. Bruce and I are covering a movie called Living. That's something I do not do much of, but Bruce thankfully does. Hopefully, he'll say, say really wonderful things about this sort of remake of this Akira Kurosawa classic, Akiru. And I believe he said he prefers Living over the, over Akira. I don't know if I remember correctly. Then Bruce and Eric have a very quick review of this Vicky Creeps movie. Vicky Creeps co-starred in Anderson's favorite PTA film, Phantom Thread. Am I correct on that, mm. Anderson? Uh, yeah, true. Phantom, no, not true. That would be There Will Be Blood. There Will Be Blood is Anderson's favorite movie, right? From PTA? Yes, maybe? Probably, yes, I would have to say. Yes. Do you remember who saw that with you at the Paramount? Uh, yeah, I saw it with my wife at uh, Paramount, <laughs> uh, Paramount Studios. 
Oh, <laughs> Greg was there too. He third wheel Greg. <laughs> Uh, yeah, third, uh, third wheel, Greg, third wheel, four star, Greg. And finally, I'm going to have a talk about uh, the pale blue eye. Oh, actually, that movie, Vicky Creeps movie is called Corsage. Bruce and Eric, I, I told I did a little swerve on them. I said, let's go see this movie. And uh, they they stepped into the breach for me. And thankfully, they're taking that. I don't know if it's a bullet or maybe they just uh, maybe it's a really sweet movie that they're going to talk about Corsage. And then finally, I'm going to talk about the pale blue eye, which comes out January 6th on Netflix. Limited release on December 23rd. Scott Cooper. I know Eric Holmes, you're a huge fan of Scott Cooper. Mm-hmm. What do you love about, love about Scott Cooper? Why are you excited about the pale blue eye? What, what? I, I, I just like all his movies. I mean, my brother Steve, like, what's it? Out of the Furnace, Crazy Heart, mm-hmm. Black Mass, even though I, that's probably his worst one, but I still like that one. Antlers. Love Antlers. Hostels. Hell out of it. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Hostels. And so I, I just assume this one's going to be good too. But also, I assume everyone else is going to hate it because for some reason people hate Scott Cooper. I don't know why, but you know, for some reason people hate Scott Cooper. Do you hate Scott Cooper, Bruce Berkey? I do not. I'm I'm middle of the road in Scott Cooper. I like some of the stuff, and some of the stuff I haven't seen, and some of the stuff I'm okay on. Middle of the road, Anderson Cowan, Scott Cooper. Not a lot of is- joy in his movies. You know, I look for levity and fun moments, and and Scott oh. Cooper tends to. I think he gets really fun scripts, and the first thing he does is he sits down with uh, scissors and just excises <laughs> all. He just cuts them all out. But uh, hey, we got to get to our random number generator too. Sorry, Bruce and Eric, this has very little to do with you, but we got to figure out. Greg and I got to figure out what year we're going to be celebrating. Oh, yeah. January 2023. And also, uh, it just occurred to me now, Greg, that we we just wrapped up our 1967 Patreon uh, episode, and we were we, we forgot to do the 1967 birthdays. I'm not going to bore everyone with that uh, here and now, but I can tell you, Benicio del Toro was born in 1967, uh, oh, wow. which I, I find uh, infinitely fascinating. So why don't we? Uh, go ahead and figure out what um, year we're going to land on. You, will you guys uh, allow us to do that? Uh, it just feels weird doing it with people in the room, Greg. Yeah, they're, they're, okay, they're, they're part of the cinematics. Remember, I I said something. I said something, Eric and Bruce, on our Patreon. I hope you don't mind. I said that Anderson and I were the landlords, and you're the, you're the serfs. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's accurate, so I can't, I can't fault you for it. So no. while you're doing this, we have to wear masks, you know, like, and we have to play the instruments while you're <laughs> well, 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 you guys are going to do that, I'll I'll go paint the rooms real quick. I'll be right back. <laughs> no, that's our job as landlords. You guys don't have to paint your own stuff. That's what I explained to Greg. I said, I don't want to be a landlord because we're fixing the plumbing. <laughs> All right. I just landed, Greg. It took me many, many rolls of the dice to figure out which year because every year that it was landing on, we had already done. Uh, and I'm not going to bore uh, – Eric and Bruce with, uh, you know, discussing all of the movies that were covered on the years that uh, it landed on randomly, but it finally landed on a year that we have not done yet. And that year is 1946. So Greg, you're pumped. I know that 1946 oh, will be covered in January, 2023. Okay. So that'll be our Patreon bonus episode for the month of January. We'll pick two movies that neither one of us have seen. And we will also celebrate the year by talking about the top 10 box office grocers, uh, the, 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 some of the keys to the Academy Awards who won the Academy Awards that, that year, as well as birthdays, if I remember to do so. Okay. So let's start off with our featured reviews. Here we are. We have a movie called Living. It comes out December 23rd on LA and New York. Anderson Cowan, have you heard anything about this Bill Nye film called Living? It's receiving, it's, it's based on a, a, uh, it's a remake of the Akira Kurosawa film, Ikiru. Uh, I mean, Akira, yeah, 
Have you ever seen Akiru Anderson? Do you know yeah, anything about Akiru? Yeah, in fact, Akira? I just saw that very recently. Andrew Martin uh, uh, suggested that I watch that one for uh, the film vault. He he, uh, he was a decider and he had or, or a signer and he had us watch that one. I believe that's how it came about. Okay, cool. I, uh, and uh, I really, really quite enjoyed that. And I was thrilled to see that uh, it was in the midst of being uh, remade. So um, it's a classic. I don't know if it really needed to be touched, but it's the kind of story that I think could be updated and find a new audience for sure. Is it a value-added film, meaning Akiru, as far as life lessons learned? Did you, were you, did you like the narrative jumps in the movie overall? Did you just, is it a yeah, classic? I it, yes. Yeah, love hey, that movie. Hey, guys, I'm doing a very important uh, show here, and uh, you're definitely bleeding through the microphone. <laughs> the boy is home today, and uh, the wife is working from home, so there's a lot of activity. And I was doing it in the kitchen so I could keep my eye on him, but I didn't know he was going to make this much noise. Addy, you're not a co-host. <laughs> all right craig have you seen akira Ikur- i love i love akira yeah I, it's a classic and i think bruce and eric they've seen it as well right guys you love you love akira yes. yes okay cool yep. cool yes and but you it's fresh in your mind anderson did you get a little bit uh teary weepy kind of towards the end I don't, I don't know if i did uh you know you gotta be in the right mindset i'm sure if i were to watch it today uh i'm a much more fragile minded uh in these last couple of weeks because of some situation stuff that's going on i'm sure that i would have wept like a like a like a small child yes but at the time i was i was steeled and uh, strong and able to get through without I might've got a little, little dusty. I mean, it's, it's very well done and it's an investment film where uh, there's a lot of lead up and a lot of building and uh, it's all worth it by the time it's all said and done. Okay. So this living is a remake specific remake of Ikiru. And this time it's Bill Nye. He's the, the lead in this movie. And he's, I don't know what he is. is he, uh, he's a public uh, servant, uh, Bruce, he, with the ledgers and the numbers, he's high up in the totem pole, and essentially he's living a very monotonous, monotonous life. I mean, he's a widower, and his, he doesn't have a really good relationship with his son or his daughter-in-law. His life is his job. Till one day he realizes that he has a terminal illness, and he realizes that he should be "quote unquote" living. So the rest of the movie deals with Bill Nye's character, like the character in Ikiru, trying to actually skirt work to actually live some life before said person passes away so it's about it's all about living in the moment this is the movie obviously akira kurosawa's ikiru has a lot of baggage along with it i'm just wondering for you for me living is one of my favorites of the year it's directed by oliver hermanis the guy the filmmaker behind mafia and it's also the screenplay is from kazu ishiguru he is also the novelist behind that classic remains of the day i thought it was a great remake i highly recommend living Bruce, echo my sentiments and just put a stamp on it. No, no, I will not. Uh, I am uh, what? I am far in the minority on this movie, but I think it made some real misfires. So here's the deal with this movie. First of all, kind of like Anderson mentioned, like why would you remake this? Why remake a great, great movie uh, unless you're going to do something really different with it? Uh, and I think right out of the gate, they did something to me that was a huge misfire. It, people are loving it, but for me, it was a big misfire. And that is this. So... First of all, you moved it to England. That's fine. It can make sense. This kind of, you know, stead society where they're really like stuffy and really up all about, you know, procedure and stuff. So that makes sense for his character. But the big thing that threw me off was they made it a period piece. And I think that was a number one mistake because the movie that we see, Ikiru, I mean, it's a period piece to us now. But it wasn't then. It was a contemporary piece. It was about contemporary life in Japan. And that was one of the great strengths I thought it had, is it really showed you that life. And then it also had this kind of great final act, which we're not going to discuss, but it was pretty great. This movie is starting out as a period piece. It's starting out as a removed setting, I think, for most people in time and place. And 
I feel like the Bill Nye character in this too doesn't have, I mean, he's great at what he does. He's very reserved, but I don't think he has near the, I don't think he has the charisma that the original actor had in that role. The original actor had this face, this kind of hangdog face, this this look, a thousand mile stare, almost like he's on the verge of crying and, and stuff the whole time that was just so emotive. And a perfect example, once again, I won't talk about the exact scene. There's a scene involving a toy rabbit in both movies. And in the, if you were just to watch those two scenes together, the way the original plays out versus the way the new one plays out are vastly different. And I think the new one's vastly inferior. The setting's inferior. The stuff going on behind the scenes is inferior. So I guess the way I would say this movie, if you've never seen the original, you could watch this and enjoy it. You probably will enjoy it. But it's like reading the book before the movie kind of a deal. For me, once I'd seen the other version, this version, all I could do was compare it the whole time and and find it disappointing at every turn. Wow, disappointing at every turn. That is Bruce Perky's review of Living. I absolutely highly recommend Living, even if you've seen Ikiru. For me, Living gets, a, it's a five-star banger. Five out of five stars for me for Living. I loved every single second of it. I heard, I, I think, heard through the grapevine that Bruce actually doesn't like people, Londoners. So maybe that's why you're not a huge fan of Living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, Bruce. Londoners. What is your rating on Living as you warn people from watching this movie? What is it? Um, I think if you've never seen the original, you might, it might be three and a half or so, but for me, it's like two and a half. It was, it was verging on slog. It's two and a half, a little bit too generous for you. Is it, is it a, a two star movie? It's <laughs> only because of Bill Nye's acting, which is remarkably good. It just isn't what I don't, I don't think it's what this movie needs to be. This movie needs to be something different. It needs to be like Suspiria. Like they remade Suspiria. They wow. did something different with it. And okay. you may or may not like it, but they took a different approach. Okay, so that is Living, two and a half stars for Bruce Perky. That is a five-star banger for me, Living, L.A., New York, December 23rd. You know, Anderson, and you know, you're going to be, you and I are actually going to be left out of this review. This is a movie called Corsage, Anderson. Ooh. It is headlined by Vicky <laughs> Creeps. It is a period film. I, I think that was either my stomach or it, it's an, a growl from Eric Holmes. Just for doing that, Eric Holmes, you're going to talk about what Corsage is because you haven't been on the mic for a while. You're going to do the plot summary. You're going to talk about the analysis and you're going to tell me how brilliant Corsage, Vicky, starring Vicky Creeps is. So I endured a movie called Corsage and mm-hmm. um, I'm not yeah. a fan of period piece movies Mm -hmm. and usually when people say that they just think it's like a stuffy like you know set in england somewhere yeah 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 wearing corsages and uh this movie is the epitome of yeah i don't like period piece movies this is the movie people think of um I couldn't tell you what it was about. I don't think it was about anything. I think it was a about royalty it. woman, woman named Cece or something from Vienna. Sure sound that that sounds fine. Sounds good. Um, she wears corsages she wears corsages. Uh, I guess there was like some women empowerment, which I guess that was uh, pretty good. But it look they got they got women empowerment movies that aren't sleeping pills, and this this thing oh. just kept going on and on, and I could not wait for this thing to end. Yeah, I, I don't really have much to say about this other than I, is there anything that, good about this movie during again the the women empowerment thing was uh, really good, but you can find that in Black Aliens. Panther, Woman King. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Woman King. That's a great example. Go watch Woman King. Put on Corsage. Pause it. Go watch Woman King and then come back and turn off Corsage. Okay. That looks like that sounds like a zero rating from Eric Holmes. I can't wait to see what it was. This is not good. This is not good. good. Bruce Perky, save the day. 
Tell us how good Corsage is and how wrong Eric Holmes is, for Pete's sake. Well, I think this is one of those situations where Greg had us all get in line. And it's like the old thing where they say, who's volunteering? And he just took a step back and let us watch the movie. So, no, this is, uh, yeah, this. So it starts out and you think, oh, this is going to be one of those movies where it's just a period piece and then does all this really anachronistic stuff and does stuff like out of the box. Like it has these yeah. things like you have, I don't know what they call them, not minstrels, but you know, they're, they're in these courts and like fancy places, right. settings, and they have someone playing in the background, playing a violin or a lute or something. Yeah, And they're playing okay. like a modern song, which is just why. Okay. And this movie doesn't lean into that though. It has just a couple little things like that. Just for no apparent reason. And then, like you said, there's this whole, or like Eric says, there's this whole feminist empowerment angle. Great. Okay. Lean into that. Like, let's, let's go, go off the rails a little bit, like really have fun with this period piece and do something crazy. But what they did is they made a really stuffy period piece and just had like hints of that other stuff in there, which by the way, if you look up the trivia, her name is, uh, she's Empress Elizabeth, the Habsburgs, which you've probably heard of the Habsburgs, a very mm-hmm. famous like yeah. royalty, kind of known for being really opulent and whatever. She was a total asshole. She was not feminist. She, you just read, read the trivia on this. She is the, exactly the opposite of what they present here, which also is really weird because what was the point of that? Why pick her? Why not pick somebody that maybe was this kind of like um, someone who's held down, but had these, you know, interesting ideologies and thoughts out of their time and like how they presented it or what happened to them because they had it. But instead you just give us this period piece. That's absolutely not great. And, uh, looks good. Vicky creeps is always good. I think I figured her out too. I think she's it's really she's, good in bad movies. Yeah. She is kind of really good in bad movies. Like, I'm how starting much, to go to much, the dark Eric, side with Eric on this one. Eric, Eric, Bruce, how much money can we raise so we can give it to Anderson and have him watch it with his eyes open for two hours? How much money do you think we should raise? Anderson, are you are you up for it? I go fund me for so Anderson Cowan can watch Corsage for two hours. Are you? I, I mean, and, I get, and, I get Anderson, you're right here, and I love you, and I would say the same thing if you weren't here. Do not make him watch this. That is just mean. Anderson, what do you think about it? I mean, everything I'm hearing sounds like the type of movie that I do not respond to. And it sounds like it was probably in love with its own sets and period and costumes and whatnot. And it sounds like it might even be up for best costumes, uh, which will make Brian end <laughs> up watching it on the film. Well, uh, I will, I will, I will avoid this movie. And especially, I mean, if I can learn something, it, at least, you know, you can hang your hat on that at the end of the day of a really boring, dry, stuffy movie, which this one sounds like. But when it's completely inaccurate, like Bruce is suggesting, it's like well, we're just completely wasting all of our time now, right? It's like yeah. it's like watching a really boring Nazi movie where Hitler loves yeah. Hitler. <laughs> and Joey I, does, I guess he didn't like kittens, but like, you know, did some good work for the Jews. It's like, what, why am I wasting my time? <laughs> I have a feeling that I might like this movie. I Who knows? I might troll everyone and end up really loving Corsage. But till then... This is the present day. Eric Holmes, you're waiting on Corsage. You know, it kind of picks up it, like towards like the last fourth of the movie a little bit. But unfortunately, there's three fourths of the movie that I had to endure. So it's like star and a half, maybe. 1.5 for Eric Holmes. Bruce, what is your rating? Well, I think it gets a slight bump for me because of all the heroin use. I didn't expect a lot of heroin use oh, yeah, in this period that. piece. So we got that and we got to hear a Rolling Stones song done in whatever 
period this was. Okay. So that was, I'll give it two stars. Two stars for, for Bruce. I, I, actually, I hate the Rolling Stones. Bump mine down to one. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, you hate the Rolling Stones. Oh, my gosh. How dare you? Are you? I hope you're a Beatles fan, at least. Eric Holmes. So that is Eric Holmes. One star for Corsage and two stars for Corsage for Bruce Perky in select theaters, December 23rd. Anderson Cowan segment with Bruce Perky. They have this movie called E-I-E-I-O. I don't know. Is it a movie about a pig, about a cow, about a donkey, about a mule? I don't know. A zebra. Who knows? Bruce, why don't you and Anderson tell us, me and Eric, about EO, E-I-E-I-O, whatever that is. Bruce, take it away. Oh, me? Oh, gosh. I've been talking way too much here, Anderson. <laughs> so EO. Uh, so uh, I gave a very, very short review. It's not a full review. Uh, I just posted it on Facebook, and I called this 2022 A Donkey Odyssey. That was kind of my little subtitle for this. It is directed by Jersey Skolomowski. 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 I guess it is. He's like George Miller. He's like 80 something years old. Mm-hmm. This guy has been doing something with movies since I think the 60s. I think he was a co-writer of Knife in the Water yes. by Polanski. Polanski. Wow. Amazing. Uh, surprisingly, just randomly, I watched one of his early movies earlier this year called The Shout from like 1971 or something. Anyway, what is this movie? I'll just intro it and then let Anderson like kind of run with it. It starts out with this donkey in a circus. And he does this little act in the circus. He has a, a trainer or a co-performer with him, this woman who seems a to lover. really love him. And what was it again? A lover. I mean, yes, it is. It is. <laughs> he no. loves her very much. <laughs> and she loves him very, very much. Yes. It's it's true. Uh, he gets a little tear in his eye when he gets taken away because the circus gets shut down. I think they go bankrupt and he gets carted away. As he's getting carted away, uh, you see a close up of his eyes and out the window, you see the horses running free in the field next to him. And this very quickly shows you that this movie is not going to be that kind of uh, very dry, very super realistic documentary. This is not a documentary in the least. This is very hard on its sleeve, very... It's like vignette from vignette from vignette vignette of this donkey Mm. going from place to place. It's kind of... Sometimes it's kind of almost operatic, or it's also other times it's kind of silly. There's a... uh, I won't get into the scenes. We can talk about it once Anderson pops into it. But um, it is not what you might think. Not at all. I, I was anticipating what I had read was it was entirely shot from the point of view of the donkey, which I took literally. I thought it was going to be all just POV shots. We're just going to like be wandering through the uh, earth, w- uh, seeing through the donkey's eyes. And from the get-go with all the red strobing lights, I mean, what they do, like a lot of movies, especially Gaspar Noe movies do, they, they tend to try and weed out any um, epileptics uh, early on, and they just don't want them watching the rest of the movie, I guess. So there's all these strobing r- red, and unlike anything I've ever seen in a circus with this uh, donkey and, and his uh, counterpart, the female performer at the circus, like uh, Bruce had suggested. And uh I, I was not right off the bat. I'm like, oh, this is this movie is going to be very different than what I, I I was a little bit concerned about. I thought it was going to be more like was that uh, the Leviathan? Remember that uh, yes. <laughs> on the boat? I thought it was going to be like uh, like a slog in that sense, and it wasn't. It was uh, like Bruce said, a, a, a number of vignettes, and essentially what it's doing here is this is a movie made by uh, animal lovers and trying to give people a footing as to what it might be like to go through life as a um, kind of forgotten about cast aside donkey. 
who has uh, a, a number of run-ins with human beings, some good, some bad. Some of this is very, very hard to watch for animal lovers. Whereas, uh, you know, if you can remind yourself throughout that it's a movie, I think it's it's good. And I think people should watch this movie because I have no hard, not a hard time at all, like empathizing with animals and imagine, and I, and I go way too far the other way. I imagine that they have thoughts that are similar to mine and amphomorphize, whatever the fuck that word is. This movie, I think, will go a long way to people for people who don't aren't capable of of giving animals you know respect and uh, seeing that they live their own lives and uh while it, it could have used a little more levity like uh, bruce suggested like some of it you know is tragic some of it's you know for better or for worse uh i would have liked uh the, the, the donkey to have perhaps some some better times but that said uh i really did appreciate the uh, how uh, inventive some of the shots were and while the story is meandering um, I think it's not unlike that of a, a donkey's life who's kind of lost in the world and I think it's true to that and uh, while it was meant to end without giving the ending away with a, a real gut punch I think that wasn't really actually I don't know I can't speak for you Bruce but I didn't even know what was going on I had to kind of rewind and be like oh that's what they're going after whereas Gunda which is not that dissimilar to this one last year's Gunda, which was a yeah. documentary about a pig shot in black and white that there was no mistaking what was happening there at the end or the beginning with the killing of the runt. And on uh, and this one also lends itself to a movie that came out earlier this year called squeal, uh, which was, you know, suggesting mm-hmm. that human beings uh, and, and uh, pigs can share some um, parallels and similarities. So it's it's really getting into the mindset of an animal, a domesticated animal who is not respected and maybe should be. And I think that was the intention of the filmmakers. And I don't I, I think it worked on that level, but it's hard. Also, I watched this in a really, really raw spot. I already mentioned, you know, I'm dealing with a, 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 my own personal like uh, tragedy with a pet uh, over the last couple of weeks. So I was pretty raw watching this and it did get me uh, emotional a number of times. Yeah. I, I just wanted to point out too, what you're saying is I think exactly true. Uh, the, the ending didn't really strike me too much either. It was, it was like, you kind of knew something similar to that would probably happen. And it almost didn't matter to the overall story because the the impact was in the story itself i think but i do want to point out this movie is very expressionistic and surreal at sometimes too there's a point where he like veers off the road he's kind of wandering on this road and he veers off into the forest for like what maybe five to seven minutes and it just becomes like this strange little fairy tale with this donkey in the forest i love that scene there's a scene where he gets tied up outside of a soccer match mm. and a guy just lets him go and says like something about like yeah you know Viva la anarchy or something like that and lets him go. And there's that, that whole extended sequence with the soccer people. I, I love that. It's just interesting because it goes from place to place and each one, it gives you a little human story. Well, not each one, but a lot of them, it gives a little human story. And there are little punchlines in there that you aren't quite expecting. Some of them are, are, you know, tragic or violent or bad. Some of them are like, for example, and I'm not going to give what happens in it, but there's a punchline to a short sequence where he's in like, I think it's a me, a mink. Is it a mink uh, yeah. farmer or something? A mink farmer. They're just zapping minks or some kind of you know uh, fur yeah. animal that they're using, obviously, for the pelts. And the punchline to that scene is is quite delicious. Literally. Lovely. <laughs> so I just want to say to people I know, and the people I'm talking to are like basically Eric. Eric, who has suffered through these kind of movies before, and I'm specifically thinking of the early movie even this year called Cow. Yeah. This movie is not that. This movie has some entertainment value, even if you're not there for the message. Like, even if you want to say, like, I just want to see an adventure of a donkey, like, going through his life. You could look at it at that, too. 
and enjoy it on that level. And last thing I'll mention is this is highly, not highly, but I will say this is very inspired by a movie from, I want to say the 60s called O Hazard Balthazar, Mm. which is also about a donkey. Supposedly it's Michael Haneke's favorite movie. Uh, and I have watched most of it as of today. Different movie, but interesting to watch in comparison to this. And I'll leave it at that. Okay, so that is EO. It's, I, guess, I believe it's uh, probably in select theaters on Friday, December 23rd. It's po- Poland's official Oscar entry for film. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so EO, what is a, your rating, Anderson? Uh, I'll give this three and a half stars. Three and a half stars for Anderson Cowan and you, Bruce Perky. I'm generous. I will go four and a half stars. I like four it quite a bit. I mean, it, it's very original. You're not going to say anything else like it. But uh, I think the reason why I'm giving it three and a half stars, and it's my own, it's my own shortcoming. This movie is very Polish too, and I do feel like there was some stuff, especially towards the end, yeah. uh, with the Italian guy that picks him up and takes him home. Like that, that completely lost me. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, and since the filmmaker didn't lead me to water there or lead the mule or the donkey to water there, uh, I, I, I feel like I, I lost some of the impact. And I, I don't know if that's my fault or the filmmaker's fault for not, you know, leading me to that water. I think there were, was more of a gut punch or more of a higher message that I did miss. Uh, this is also from the filmmaker who made Essential Killing, which is something I suffered through a number of years ago. Totally because- <laughs> Uh, Vincent Gallo uh, played the lead terrorist. He he plays like an Afghani terrorist who's just being followed, uh, tracked through like the the tundra. So it's a snowy backdrop, and he's just running for his life for like ninety minutes. And it, it was just one of the biggest slogs I've ever gotten through. Uh, so the filmmaker's definitely uh, he's got his own vibe. <laughs> he makes okay. his you can tell. Okay, so that is EO. And finally, for our featured, we have a very quick mention for me is on Netflix, The Pale Blue Eye, January sixth, headlined by. Christian Bale, he was previously mentioned on this episode on regarding Amsterdam. How was Bale in Amsterdam? Anderson, did you like him? Was he a high point in Amsterdam, Christian Bale? Yeah, I really liked what he was doing. I, it was something a little bit different. Uh, I was challenged and, and, and told that he he had we had seen something similar uh, in The Fighter as well as maybe uh, American Hustle. But I thought that he was kind of doing like a cross between the two because he was completely out of his mind and, you know, abusing drugs at times. Uh, uh, but he was also a doctor, so he was highly educated and smart, but uh, unlike The Fighter. Uh, but uh, he was not well put together. I really liked his comedic chops. Um, and, and, and I think he might have been the highlight for me. And he was, and Christian Bale is the highlight of the, this movie, The Pale Blue Eye. He and co-star Harry Melling. Christian Bale plays Augustus Lander. He is a detective in 1830. He's investigating the murder of a West Point student in the year, again, 1830. Helping him on his mission is a fellow cadet whose name is Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe is played by Harry Melling. And he was, I believe, he's in one of Bruce's favorite movies this year. What was that movie with Andrea Reisberg that Harry Melling was in? What was that movie called? What is it called? Oh, uh, my Here it comes. You know the movie? Yeah, the, the David Lynch meets West Side Story. Please, baby, yeah. please. John Waters. Please, there was this movie please, called Please, baby, please, which I think yes, Anderson Cowan would love. But anyways, Harry Melling plays Edgar Allan Poe in The Pale Blue Eye. It is a horror mystery thriller. Gillian Anderson's in it. There's all star cast. I really enjoyed it. Here is the bad bad news, though. Sorry, Eric Holmes. The movie runs 130 minutes. It needed 140 to 150 minutes of it. The production di- design is fantastic. I love the the uniforms. It felt like I was watching a movie. With a movie like The Pale Blue Eye, I want to actually taste the snow, 
taste the the food the blood there is some there is some blood in this movie but it did it felt bloodless the pale blue eyes so overall i give this movie three and a half stars basically on the performances of christian bale and anderson saying i believe oh no because whenever i give a movie three and a half stars that probably means it is a zero of a film it is not a zero of a film it is a very very good movie i just was expecting a whole lot more it just felt like an overworked movie that i think really look will look good in the theater and it's a beautiful looking film I just at the moments when it I wanted dynamism, it wasn't there. It's like it's like me on a date. You know, you expect when you expect all the great moments, I don't live up to it. I don't I'm not operatic enough. Oh, this movie was not sorry, sorry, Anderson Cowan. I am making fun of myself. That is the truth. But the truth is for me, the pale blue eye, three and a half out of five stars. We'll see what what uh Eric Holmes thinks about the pale blue eye. It was uh, a little bit too pale for my taste. Yes, Eric Holmes, that, yes, sir. That, that's great news for me. Okay. <laughs> I'm used to people watching Scott Cooper movie go, yeah, it was all right, or it sucked. And I'm like, this is awesome. So Anderson Cowan. The early- fact that you gave it three and a half is like, gets me pretty excited, actually. In fairness, Anderson Cowan, in our review of The Samurai, he was mentioning about how the movie is well made. Sometimes a movie is well made to put it enough, like, hey, definitely see this great craftsmanship. But look, I'm thinking to Bruce Perky, to your point, if like the pale blue eye was directed by freaking David Cronenberg, that would have been some kind of movie. He but blood. Wait, yes, sir. Yeah, he. Yes, he's he's very good in blood. And I, I'm oh, sorry, God. Eric. And you wanted more blood in the movie. I, I want your body horror. Chronograph. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I love body horror, and I love blood, and I'm a horrible human being. It's probably who knows. I think EO might EO might make me a better person because me and, and my relationship with animals not a lot of good Polish that. food in that uh, in that EO right Bruce <laughs> in that good Polish food come have some good Polish food so that or is it the carrots the, too. Uh, some carrots too the pale blue eye three and a half for me. That is it for our featured. Before we go, I just wanted some quick roundtable situations. I am going, I, guys. Should I go see the Banshees of Inishirin? Any uh, roundtable? Go Max now. I think yes, yes. Yeah, Anderson, go Max, and you should absolutely see that. Also, we're burying the lead. Babylon comes out the twenty third here, which is going to be you know one of the biggest movies of the year. It, yeah, it's getting horrible reviews, Anderson. Babel, Babel, Babylon. It's just and, horrible movie. It's fire. But but you think you're excited, Anderson? Right about Babylon? I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I have to see it. So it'll be, you know, part of the, the, my filmic cinematic universe uh, here in the near future. It's weird. Like, you know, introducing these these new big movies that people will be talking about for years to come and knowing that they're going to be part of, you know, your your cinematic, you know, new friends almost. Or, whether you like them or not, they're going to be coming into the room. It's it's bizarre. It's weird. But yeah, Babylon is one of them. Eric Bruce, I mean, did you know that Babylon is Damien Chazelle? Was he done like Whiplash, La La no, Land? That yeah, hack. Yeah, that hack. Exactly. Eric Holmes, you know what? Here's a little secret that you guys don't know about Anderson Cowan, Bruce Burke, and Eric Holmes. Little secret. He has First Man on Spool, on Real, in, in uh, Cold Cocker Productions overall. I mean, you love uh, First absolutely Man. Absolutely 100% untrue. That's The opening <laughs> sequence is fantastic, though. And then it's just all down. I think my review of that was the, uh, the handheld cameras were so distracting that if Jar Jar Binks was hidden at every single scene, <laughs> Uh, would have been less distracting in that movie. Just the handheld nature of that. Uh, and I don't give a crap about uh, Armstrong staring into a crater, missing his daughter. Get out of here. <laughs> He's a make a space movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, I know Anderson Cowan is remiss. We're, we're going to go right now because I know uh, he loves Dario Argento so much, but we will be covering Cat or Nine Tales next week on the box. What can you tease us next week, Bruce, about Cat or Nine Tales? Do you love cats? What's going on? Oh, all I can tell you is it's it's got Carl Malden as a blind man who might be solving a murder mystery in 1971. That's all I'm going to say. And, and it co-stars James Franciscus. I saw this movie a year yes. and a half ago, and I still don't remember anything about this movie other than that <laughs> Carl Malden was blind. We're going to leave pretty soon. Eric Holmes, here's the final movie. Bardo, should people watch it or not? Very quick. Uh, if you like Southland Tales, check out Bardo. 
because okay. it is so no one uh, can watch that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, 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 I like uh, I, I really enjoy Bardo in the sense that it's kind of going for it. It's going, you know, it's just being absolutely ridiculous and weird. And I like that. I can follow this for this is a family show. I couldn't follow this for anything. It's um, Alejandro Inuritu's latest. And uh, in, in case you, you're not following along at home. And now the, the full title is Bardo False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. It is the title suggesting what the movie is, which is just an absolute and totally uh, a, a, a unreliable narrator here. Eric, I, I think that I think the title suggests the pretentiousness of the movie, <laughs> and I I could lean into that. But I mean, also at the same time, like there's some good filmmaking stuff going on there. Well, you um, expect that, but I mean, is he another victim of trying to outdo himself, which we see so 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 often with these these very very bright filmmakers where they get in their own head and they're trying to compete with themselves and they just can't, so they come up with. I think I think he took all the shrooms and started like typing out the script and like mm. as he was writing it was like oh this would be cool this would be a cool idea and then no one told him to kind of pair it back which yeah. you know quite honestly if you're gonna go for it like that you don't want to pair it back you want to go all in but he swung I mentioned to Bruce that this uh, also kind of reminded me a lot of Mother but I love Mother like yeah. that, that's like one of my top movies that year but Mother has like some uh, folk to it i'm understanding the the theme like the baby oh yeah i mean anytime you kill a baby i'm happy with this hey hey that's the way this is a family show eric holmes what are you what are you doing i was gonna say put put them to sleep put put the baby to sleep yes in a kind in the kind uh, and hospitable fashion but i mean with so with the mother there's a focus to it there's a focus on the themes and everything with bardo it's kind of all over the place and then I actually looked up what Bardo is. Apparently, it's a Buddhist thing where you're in between living and dead, alive and asleep, which actually kind of makes sense for what the movie is because it's very, uh, hmm. uh, what's the word, dreamlike, I guess. Dreamlike, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But, okay. But the, the, <laughs> the, the, this, is, this is a movie that a lot of people are going to reject. Southland Tales is about the best I can come up with because Southland Tales, uh, Richard Kelly thought he was going for something. He thought he was expressing something. And most people that watch it watch Southland Tales and go, I don't understand what this is. Yeah. And I'm out. Okay. So we're out on Bardo. What is your rating on Bardo, Eric? Oh, geez. I, I, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't er, even Eric gives Bardo zero stars. I'm, I'm going to put zero stars right now. Zero, one, one, one star. Point five. It, it, it gets all the stars, zero through five. It gets, it gets all the <laughs> 0.69 stars for Bardo from Eric Holmes. That is it. Well, you know what, Bruce? Wait, I'm going to steal December yes. 23rd. I want to dance with somebody. I mean, I guess you guys. Yes. I, I don't. Yes. I don't want to Jesse dance Lamont's with Lamont's latest. Uh, what, what's that? Oh, uh, Whitney Houston? Uh, Whitney Houston, yeah. Yeah, yeah you excited about that? Of Talk to me. Stanley oh. Tooch is in it. The Tooch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Excited that's about it. Yeah. That's coming out on December 23rd. And we're not going to do December 30th. You know what, Anderson? You know what happened? We're actually we're not going to do because Bruce for some for Pete's sake he wants to do another episode next week so yeah, we don't have to pre- preview so so yeah love it Bruce you know I I don't like you that much Bruce for just for that you know how I'm going to uh, punish you Bruce on this episode guess what Bruce what what, what? are you going to make me watch Corsage again no 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 I got to go right now because I'm going to watch Corsage right after this because of all your great reviews I am Sweet. going going to steal your thunder Bruce you're not going to have the final thought the final thought goes to Anderson Cowan I don't know what the final thought is I just gave it I, I can't believe you guys were skipping over I want to dance with somebody which seems yeah. like a real crowd pleaser. Uh, hey guys, it was a lot of fun doing a, a show with you. Uh, it's first time ever. Uh, episode 169. It uh, took us 168 episodes to finally get to this one where we're all like one big family. And uh, thanks for thanks for letting me lean on you guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys. Love you guys. Cinematics forever. See ya.